Hello, world, and thank you for joining me today. This is Shelley Shearer, and you are listening to the podcast Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, where if I've experienced it, I'm going to share it with you. If I've learned it, I'm going to tell you about it, and always some education along the way. Good morning, world. Shelley Shearer here, and welcome to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. I am so excited to talk about something specific today, and with any luck, I can keep this podcast under 15 minutes. But if you're my regular listeners, you know sometimes I struggle with that. Control. We're going to talk about control today. I am a controlling controller. (laughs) How do I know that? Everyone around me knows that. I'm very self-aware about a lot of things, but I also took a course. So years ago, I took this course called The Pursuit of Excellence. Um, It's always good to find the good in all situations. On my last podcast, I talked about being in a bad relationship. I had a a very abusive fiance when I was in my mid to late 20s. However, he brought a lot of growth and and good things to my life. He taught me all about red wine. My complete love of red wine comes from that fiance, that ex-fiance. So of that, I'm very grateful because uh, I became a, I'm a winephile. I have a a level three in the uh, wine education trust um, education. I have a wine cellar in my house. I even have a small wine cellar in this house. I had one custom built in my old house, but in this one, we found a spot and my husband, when we sold off, the people that bought our old house needed that uh, wine cellar for a spare room for their parents. It was downstairs. I designed it so that it had heat and could be used as a room in the future. But we had it as a wine cellar, sold off the racking, kept a wall for ourselves. And I still have my love here. A little downsized, but I don't drink as much as I used to anyway, so it's all good. But that situation brought a lot of great learning for me, being with that man for the couple years I was with him. And one of the things was doing something called, <clears throat> excuse me, the pursuit of excellence. And there are lots of courses out there. Some of them, for instance, my girlfriend teaches insights and insights uses all the colors, the yellows, the green, yellow, green, blue, and yellow, green, blue, and red. Uh, I can't remember actually what the fourth color is, but my girlfriend does the insights. If anyone would like any information on these sorts of courses, please just reach out to me on email, livingwellwithshell at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter is livingwell8. My Facebook page, Living Well 8 or uh, Living Well with Shell, the coulda, woulda, shoulda podcast and my Living Well um, company with the uh, health and wellness. You can reach me at all those places and I'll be happy to, to, to pass on information on these types of things. But anyways, a lot of them follow the same style of, of education. You sort of learn whether you're a promoting type personality, a supporting type personality, an analytical or a controller. Now, I, is that the four quadrants? Analytical, promotion, support, control. I'm not sure the fourth quadrant is control necessarily. Hmm, I forget what it is. It doesn't really matter. The bottom line is you do these tests and on a scale of one to 10, you do the intersections, they ask you a bunch of questions and they usually put you in a quadrant. And my quadrant in the old days was 10-10. I was 10 on the control and 10 on the formality. Maybe that's what it was. The fourth quadrant's not control. The, the um, graph lines were control and, uh, and appropriateness or formality type idea. And I'm huge. Back in the day, I like to control everything around me. My whole family, all the women were all control freaks. It's how we roll. Um, however, I am what they call a controlling controller. So a passive aggressive controller, and I've spoken on my issues with my mother many times, as you know, she's a passive aggressive controller. So she wants to control, but doesn't really want it and doesn't want to accept the responsibilities of having that control or making decisions. My mom cannot make a decision to save her freaking life. I'm paid to make decisions. I discovered that quite early in life. And when I was working for six years at Bell Canada, 
That's really all they paid me for. I had a bookkeeper that did the data entry as, a, as the accounting manager. I literally was paid to make decisions and answer people's questions. That's how I kind of look at that whole job. Did a lot of project management work on the platform, but that's what they paid me for. That's what a controlling controller's like. High on the formality state, state scale, you did not walk into my house without my house be, being pristine. I did not go to parties without everything matching. The hair was perfect. The makeup was perfect. I would spend days getting ready if I had to. Um, I, I, was, I was insane. My image was just such an important part of who I was, and it's so not who I am today. Not even the same person. Which begs me to kind of bring up a little bit of a, a, an example, and I'm sorry I pick on my family so much, but they just give me so much to work with. Listening to uh, Sam Crowley on Facebook Live this morning in my infrared sauna, because it's my morning to sort of detox and do those things during the week, he spoke about when you want to have a dream and go forward and having action, do not listen to your family for the most part. He says, family, they are a majority of the time the worst. And why? Because they know too much about you. Now, he was saying how he didn't have a lot of people in his life that were there when he was a young, young man because he was a party animal and, you know, corporate American and just out there for the ride. Probably a lot like those people I talk about when I speak about my years at, in the mortgage business. Just a little bit of a trouser snake, you know. <laughs> Not really having a whole lot of value, uh, values in his life. But he is so that person today. Well, when I was younger, it was all about image and control. Because I needed to, I had a lot of trauma in my younger years. And I needed to control my environment in order to feel safe. So my control issues came out of lifestyle. My perfection and image stuff, I had a mom that was very, very critical and nothing I ever did was good enough. And she's still kind of that way today, but I ignore it now. But I didn't when I was younger. I found it very psychologically damaging and uh, very hurtful when I was younger. So I adapted in order to cope. And that is what we all do. You may have very different experiences than I do, but you, I can pretty much guarantee that you have adapted to your environment. It's sort of like seeing a child that's acting out. That child needs attention and it will get it negatively or positively. It is our job as adults to, and parents to teach them to do it positively. That acting out is not getting them the kind of attention that they, they want. There's a great line in the old, old movie, The Sound of Music. If you've ever seen it or you know the movie, uh, Maria, the governess, comes in and the kids play tricks on her. And they've been through like a dozen governesses in two months. And so she manages to stick it out. And she, when they've all become friends, she says, she asks them, what makes such lovely children do such nasty things? And the oldest girl says, well, how else will we get father to notice us? If you're not even conscious of it, I can pretty much guarantee you are probably doing that in your life in some manner or, or other. We don't even consciously realize we're doing it. Sometimes, sometimes we do. Sometimes we're very calculating in how we behave, but lots of times a large majority of it is our subconscious. So there is an example and I did exactly the same thing. So letting go of control. Oh, it's such a relief. I'm not going to lie. Control is exhausting, exhausting. I was extremely high on the formality scale and extremely high on the control scale. So that put me at a 10, 10 and that's a controlling controller. Then you've got controlling analyzing analyzers and analyzing promoters and supporting. What is that fourth quadrant? You know what? I'm going to have to go look it up and I'll bring it up on the next podcast. So I remember the top left was promoter, top right was supporter, bottom right was 
uh, analytical because I was I was already in my accounting business at that point and I and I was a little bit in all the quadrants. It was kind of funny, but at my at my base, ten ten, formality ten ten. Okay, and he uses these great examples on how to get you to that place. You know, if someone comes to the door an hour before a party and you're not ready, do you freak out? Absolutely, I freaked out. Oh my God, my makeup's not on. I haven't quite finished the food. Nowadays, if, especially if you're a girlfriend, you might as well just come and sit in the bathroom with me while I get my hair done. If you're uh, the male persuasion or someone that I don't know that well, I'll just sit you in the living room. I will either put the TV on for you, put a radio, yell at you from the bathroom, give you a drink, and you can wait till I'm ready. That is so opposing to how I used to be 20 years ago. It's not even funny. But that's how I was back then. In fact, when I came out of that course, The Pursuit of Excellence, my nickname was CC. The people that I had done the course with, and I did three full sections of it. And here's another segue. I'm really just all over the map today, but there's, I think there's just someone out there that needs to hear this. We did The Pursuit of Excellence together, my ex-fiance and I. Then the next course cost about twelve or thirteen hundred dollars it was really expensive i didn't have that money and my fiance was not my fiance at the time and when we did the pursuit he was actually with someone else we knew each other from work i went to my parents and asked for help and they refused my dad said no i'm not spending money on that and i was so devastated because i was watching at that point in my life in my early mid-20s i was watching my father bail out every single freaking family member on his side of the family all the time. People that couldn't handle money, that wasted money, were running their businesses into debt. They just, my dad is, has always been quite, you know, he's done very well for himself and he is the incredibly generous, but sometimes in my, when I was younger, I just felt he was the handout king. Would you know what? So he should have been, to be perfectly honest. But back then I resented that he helped everyone, but he wouldn't help me. In the end, it was fine because that was another way that I became independent of my family. My family, especially, unfortunately, my, I do you throw my mother under the bus a lot, but it's more her issue than my father's. But they both, they use their money to control. Like all these issues just keep coming down through the generations, but they use money to control. She threatens the inheritance. They've disowned me twice. Um, they've helped me out greatly, and I am so grateful for that. But it tends to be lost in the ways that I don't abide by their dictates with money. So it, it tends to get lost in all, in all the other stuff. And it's really unfortunate because my parents, I'll tell you straight up, bought me a car for grad. I am one of those kids. I started life at 18 years of age with a brand new little Honda Civic. It was so wonderful. I, it was the thrill and actually I've always felt a bit sorry for my sister who got a much nicer car when she graduated four years later but it wasn't a surprise I got the surprise I was the first so walking outside and finding that little blue car with a bow on top I opened the key and thought they'd given me a new dirt bike and just I just saw Honda because my bike had was a disaster and it, it had died the year before it was amazing and then when things really did get bad, when it was, I was up against the wall with the ex-fiance and the abuse and had to, and left him, they didn't let me come home to the property. They helped me buy a townhouse and, because they'd helped my sister a few years earlier buy an investment property. So they did the same for me, but it was the house I lived in. So they have been very, very generous to us. But at the same token, money still is their currency in life, unfortunately. I actually... Only, only thing I want to say about that is just don't be that way, okay? Really, and if you are being that way, try and step back from it. And if you are the person caught in the snare of a person that that's way, step away, okay? 
And that is what I had to do with family and I had to do it with relationships and I had to do it in my life. Control, my control issues were running my life. That's how bad it got. By the time I was almost 30, my control issues ran my life. And from 30 onward is where I had to start making changes. And I did. And that is when life brought me the most amazing man that I'm married to today. And, uh, and the, the other good things in my life. I built a beautiful custom-built home at one point. I've been able to help other people. I've been able to give back. And I realized that actually I get from my father, who is incredibly generous. It is unfortunate that as things, years went on, that, that money, where, where, when money comes into a situation, there's very few people that handle it healthily. And that is so very, very sad. So if I could encourage you to do one thing, if you do want wealth in your life, learn to be happy poor and learn to manage what you have. And then you will take that skill set and that feeling, that way of being into the next phase of affluence with you. You will take that with you. Okay? So freeing yourself from control. We let people control us. We let them manip manipulate us. But you do not have to be beating your head against the wall and screaming, saying they're wrong. One thing you have to understand is you can't change people. So when you scream and yell, like I do with my situation with my family, and have the, if you listened to my podcast a few weeks ago about the fight I had with my mother, which was so inappropriate, and that I dealt with a huge amount of guilt and humiliation about, it doesn't matter that she picked the fight or that she said anything bad or said mean things to me. Those things do not matter. It's how I responded and I was completely inappropriate. But the thing there was, I was trying to change her mind. I was trying to wake her up, trying to make her aware. So who is controlling who? She's controlling me. Because I am the one upset and angry and having the fit and now feeling guilty and feeling humiliated. Do you see where I'm going with this? She's not. We let ourselves be controlled and then we suffer the consequences. People are energy, thoughts are energy. So when someone is trying to control, that energy limits your love in the situation because there was no love in the fight that my mom and I had. It was vitriol, it was awful. We both said the ugliest things to each other. Ugliest things, both of us. <laughs> and there was no love in that situation. And there's no growth as a human being. The growth for me came afterwards. I am never going to change that about her. All I can do is change myself and not let myself get into situations like that. So any attempt that you are making or people are making to you to control other people, it does not matter what they think or what they do. It puts little strings, little tentacles, little cords on you. And that's actually the point I was trying to get to when I got how I started this podcast and got back into family drama again on you guys. I apologize. We're going to make an effort for the rest of the year not to talk about family drama. Unless I really feel you need to learn from an experience. <laughs> or I do. Control is not the way of the heart. So when I was talking about all the little ways that my parents try to control us with their money, that's the tentacles. That is the little strings, the apron strings that are attached. See, my sister and brother-in-law live on my parents' 20 acres. They eventually, they worked for the company, they inherited it, and now they're going to inherit that property because my mother feels that the fact that they live, have lived there all their lives and now look after them as older people, that they have a right to it. 
But there, that's where the tie is. Do you see? If my sister ever went out on her own, that would all be taken away like it was from me because I made a choice that I didn't want someone having that kind of control over my life. When I lived on the property at the time, and I lived there even for a few, um, for a year or so after I was married while we built our new house, I decided to be grateful that I had the opportunity to save money and build my home. Because for the first couple of years, I was incredibly bitter that unlike my sister, I wasn't allowed to add on to my home and make a home on the property. No one wanted me there. Nobody wanted me on the property. I wanted to be there. That property was my dream as a teenager. I just wanted to live on property and have a horse and blah, blah, blah. Well, all of that came true for my sister, but it came too late in my life for that kind of stuff. I was almost graduated from high school and, and I was just on a different path. And this may not all seem a big deal in this day and age, but you have to remember back in the mid to late 80s and coming from a really a strong Christian home, I was doing everything my parents couldn't handle. Um, I was engaged to a divorced man, huge taboo. I ended up getting pregnant before we got married, so I was completely disowned by my family at that point. My father's pride could not handle that I had disgraced the family that way. And then we got married and then, you know what, things were a little bit more forgiven and they offered us the little, this little old mobile home on the property. I'm talking about one of those little old ones, you know, with the old wooden paneling. It was already there when my parents bought it. And we lived there for a number of years until we divorced. But don't think for a second that I wasn't bringing my own drama into the situation on, on my parents' property. And I think they were just tired of it as well. My sister learned very young to play the game. I really never did. I made a choice, but when I made that choice, I also had to make a choice to leave behind all those extras, all those free handouts, that living for practically for nothing, you know, all of that I had to walk away from. You may have to do the same if you are seeing situations in your life where the, the, the strings are being attached and you are feeling controlled, you need to take a, what do we talk about? The one, three, five step rule. You need to take as many steps back as you need to, to see where those cords can be cut and you can move on in a healthy environment. Now we all have strings in our life for crying out loud. Our job is a string. We go to work. If we don't do our job, they don't pay us. If they don't pay us, we don't eat and have money to go to the grocery store. Those are, I like to feel those things are more cause and effect than actual strings. Strings are really there's a lot of people that do energy work out there. I've never really been much with it, but I know there's a lot of people that do energy work out there where they talk about cutting those strings, the umbilical cords, you know, mothers that are far too attached to their children and want them living at home forever. have got their fingers in every pie. You know, that's not a healthy relationship in any way, shape or form. That's just another form of one control and that parent finding their needs being met through their child. Your job as a parent, as far as I'm concerned, is to raise a functioning, contributing member of society who is polite, knows how to do chores, and can manage without you. That is how I raised my son. Did I make mistakes? One billion of them, I'm sure. But in the back of my mind was always the need for him not to need me eventually. Like, I love the fact that we're in business together now, but that came after an eight-year split where he had to go find himself. And now he's come back as a mature adult. I've let go of the apron strings and we're on level ground as adults now. I don't talk to him, mummy says so. God, that would not work in our business, whatever. We are business partners. I may be mentoring him, but I'm not controlling him. 
Did you hear that? The mentoring and control are two very different, different things. So I want you to be very aware that you need to set yourself free from control and manipulation. Love can't be controlled. You cannot control who loves you or who you love sometimes. I understand that. But open your heart and let love be. When you let things like money, or there could be other things that you are using or other people are using on you. My experience just happens to be money because my family has it. And that is how control is issued in my family. For me, I probably used a lot of control when my son was uh, uh, young with knowledge. Yes, I control, control the purse, purse strings. I was the mother, he was the child. But I have a lot of knowledge and I probably lorded that over him a little too much as he got older. I had to finally step back and let him learn those lessons for himself. And that was really difficult as a parent. Really, really difficult. Knowledge is my currency. It always has been, it has been in my business. And as I've gotten older, self-awareness is my currency. Money, the universe and God has just always made sure that that money is there to eat, to live, to share with other people. But that is not what drives me out the door or get up every morning. My currency is knowledge. And, um, and I love that. I love that very much so. So we'll leave you with that. As I mentioned in my previous podcast, this is the month of January and my gift to you for 2017 is I will be offering anyone that contacts me a 30 minute complimentary coaching session. All right. Uh, this has a value of around $500 and I just really feel that there are listeners out there right now that could use a little kickstart for 2017. So if you are listening to my podcast and you feel that there are subjects that you relate to, that you feel I have wisdom in or something that I can help you with, please email me at livingwellwithshell, all one word, livingwellwithshell at gmail.com. Your name, what you'd like to chat about, and three different opportunities that I could contact you via phone or Skype. Okay, so I need three potential uh, times and I will try and fit you into my schedule between now and the end of February. Other than that, have a great day, everyone, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you for joining me here today. And if you subscribe to my podcast, you won't miss a thing. Remember to focus on not living in regret. You can reach me on Twitter at livingwell8 or email me at livingwellwithshell at gmail.com. Let me know what you liked best about today's podcast, leave a review on iTunes, or leave me a message on something you'd like me to speak on next. Have a great day, everyone.